On the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the armed forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future and our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Well, hi and welcome to all of you who are joining us today. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am joined on the line with Professor Wilson. So welcome, Woody, to the show. Thank you, Felice. Oh, good. Um, We are really excited about today's presentation. We are going to um, be discussing Common Core, uh, which really didn't even come across my horizon until last year when I was approached by some well-meaning homeschool moms who were um, interested in knowing how um, my curriculum lined up um, if it was aligned to Common Core. And I was kind of taken aback, had no idea what that was. And uh, when I went uh, and looked at some of the information about it, links that they sent me, plus my own research, I knew that I was not going to be aligned uh, to Common Core, especially since my curriculum is, is um, pretty, uh, you know, uh, Christian-based. However, um, the noise has really increased as far as Common Core goes. And Woody and I would both like to say that um, – this uh, audio is not uh, definitive. It is the information that both Woody, um, you know, has researched as well as myself. And as you heard in the intro, um, you know, Professor Wilson has um, a lot more uh, public education uh, background. Uh, you know, Woody, uh, I think I lasted two years in the system and have been a homeschooler ever since. And uh, you have embraced homeschoolers and um you know, consider, as I do, that uh, a lot of the future of our education and uh, thinking citizens are really going to be from the homeschool world where parents um, have authority over their children's education. And I think that is one of the reasons that Common Core is a scary thing to us. Um, That is because that uh, right, so to speak, is being taken away from us by the federal government. So, we are definitely going to discuss a lot of the different issues, and I would recommend that uh, those of you listening um, get the handout that's part of this audio. So if you're listening to the replays, um, there is a handout um, that we've put together, and commoncoremovie.com is something uh, that everyone uh, should see. So um, it is very important and to share as well. Well, Woody, um, I know you have a lot to say about Common Core Standards, and so I am going to sit back and let you take it away, and then I will um, be uh, coming in with some questions from our audience as they come up. Thank you, Felice, and hello, everyone. Um, I've got to tell you, my biggest problem with uh, Common Core Standards, I expressed to the Board of Education here in my little city, um, uh, this past Tuesday, 
Um, we were actually we're actually picking a new superintendent here, and that was to be the subject. But and there were ten people from the public that spoke before the board, and the, while we were supposed to talk about our recommendations uh, for a new superintendent, four of us managed to slip in some other things, like bureaucratic interference, uh, Common Core interference. And my point to the board was, and it was very brief. I didn't have time for substantiation. We were allowed five minutes, but I managed to talk for 16, and they let me. So I did uh, slip in the, the idea, the fact to me, that common core standards are not a solution to the problem of declining schools. They are not much different from West Virginia standards. I think I told you I have um, – I have, taken five Common Core standards, five West Virginia content standards and objectives, put them together and mixed them up, people can't tell the difference because they're pretty much the same thing. So this is a national thing, and I'm always suspect uh, when something national comes into my county and begins to tell us how to behave, especially where our children are concerned. But the point is, it's not going to solve the problem. It's just another a set of standards, and we've seen plenty of sets of standards right here in West Virginia, and you probably have two in your state. And this is just another uh, set. They claim that it's internationally benchmarked and that is vastly superior to most states, and I suppose that includes West Virginia. I've heard them mention that Massachusetts state standards are superior to Common Core. If that's the case, then why aren't we all adopting Massachusetts standards? Uh, the point is, they claim that the, that Common Core is better. It is not. It is not better at all. The problems that are causing the decline in America, to me, and as the more I read and research, the more I believe it, is the interference of federal and state bureaucracies in the local schools. New programs new regulations, new rules, new tests, taking seat time, taking teaching time away from the classroom, away from the teacher and the student, and putting it someplace else. When I first went to Parkersburg High School in 1998, we had 58-minute period. We had a classroom size of about 19 to 24 we had a six-period day. When I left Parkersburg High School, when I retired 10 years later, we had 45-minute periods. We had eight periods, and we had classroom size of anywhere between 26 and 30. Then you add in all of the testing, all the new tests, where students have to no longer suspend studying history, suspend studying math, Take this test. There are nine different tests being given now at Parkersburg High School, a loss of seat time. Altogether, I did the math with a calculator. From 1998 to 2008, because of new government programs, there was a reduction of 40% in teaching time, seat time, 40% of in terms of learning, see learning as a big block, 
that takes place collectively in a public school. Take away 40% of that block, 60% is left. So what effect does that have? I didn't ask the board this question because it's self-evident and that would insult them. There's certainly a decline in student learning and achievement, and that's what we're there for. To me, that is the big deal. And another thing, um, and I think homeschool proves this, uh, decades of research say that the most important element in a successful school is parent involvement. And because parents become helpless in the face of these, the awesome weight of these bureaucracies and the policies and the regulations and the tests and the new programs that they are forcing in with their government power, parents can do very little. Many parents have just backed off in disgust. Many other parents have taken their children out of the school and homeschooled them. Now, if parental involvement is the most important factor in successful schools, well, look what you have in the homeschools, 100% total parent involvement. No surprise that homeschool students outscore public and private school students by a whopping 30%. That is a huge number. So that is my big beef with uh, Common Core, and I don't like it that I don't like it when the federal government intrudes. I don't like it when the uh, National Governors Association and Bill Gates and their combine of people who know what's best for our children and have the power to do so. I just automatically reject that. It's a limited government mentality. It's a popular sovereignty mentality that I've developed over my years of study and growth. And I think that Common Core standards, just like No Child Left Behind, are intrusions into our systems and intrusions into popular sovereignty, an arm of which would be our right to decide about what our skilled children should be doing in schools and what those schools should be like. That's the big beef that I have. Now, as far, far as Common Core standards are concerned, they are voluntary. States did not have to accept them. My state did, and they did so very, very quietly. Uh, we hadn't heard of Common Core standards until they were already adopted by the Board of Education. So many of us have a problem with the State Board of Education. Uh, we, I said to the Board of Education, um, the county board of education, local, um, when I spoke to them, that we want a superintendent who will re resist this kind of inter interference from all bureaucracies, whether it's common core, state, or, or federal. We want a superintendent that will work with us, work with parents, work with teachers to find strategies to deal with these problems. You know, nobody asked me when I was teaching, and nobody uh, no bureaucracy, no the, the common core people did not ask teachers, okay, let's sit down and talk. Okay, here's what we are offering. How will this impact your classroom? Nobody asked teachers. And that is the big mistake that bureaucracies make. And again, these are people who think they know best about our children's needs, our children's futures. They think they know best about how to arrange that in a classroom, and they don't. They really do not have a clue. Teachers do, students do. As a matter of fact, I told the Board of Education, 
if you want to know what the problems are in terms of student learning and achievement and the, the decline of schools, if you want to know what the problems are, the first people you want to ask is students. The second group of people you want to ask are the teachers. The third group you want to ask are the building administrators. And the fourth group, well, there isn't any fourth group. There's nobody else to ask that has the knowledge, the intimacy with the classroom. Students know best. When I taught, I drew students into the classroom. Uh, my mentality was this is not my classroom, this is our classroom, and you're going to help me organize our studies. And they did. And any time I wanted to know, okay, I didn't decide whether or not a unit worked or not. I asked them if the unit worked, or a particular mode of study, a particular, a particular teaching practice. I had them constantly evaluating uh, the class, evaluating me, eva evaluating the units of study that we did, and getting feedback from them. I constantly improved uh, the te teaching methodology in the classroom, and we all benefited from it. The problem with these outside programs like Common Core is nobody asks the teacher, will this work? How this, will this affect you? Is this going to ca cause problems in your classroom? Or is it going to be a benefit to your classroom? If you want to know, ask the students and ask the teachers. That is number one. Third, and then secondly, you can ask the school principals. So Common Core just is a blanket thing that takes overall. And I have the sneaking suspicion, as um, always in these kinds of programs, that once they are instituted, there's going to be more to follow. And what those requirements are going to be are kind of scary as far as I'm concerned. <coughs> but for now, Common Core is voluntary. In Wood County, and we've already found that this can be done, we want to modify Common Core standards. We want to blend them with our state uh, content standards and objectives. And we want Common Core to take a back seat to what we're already doing. In fact, in many ways, as far as my research is concerned, uh, our school, our state standards are superior in many ways, more specific than the Common Core standards. So I am not sure exactly what state law in West Virginia or in your state would say about homeschool teaching. I don't know if testing based on Common Core standards is going to be a problem. I think for homeschool students it's not going to be a problem. I think homeschoolers will continue to outscore public and private school students because of the way they're taught, because of their interests, because of parental involvement, because of their excitement because of their career goals, which many public school uh, students do not have, even in 12th grade. You ask a senior at Parkersburg High School, what are you going to do when you graduate? Ah, I don't know yet. They haven't really given it much thought. And um, you don't have that in the home school situation. These kids know exactly where they're going to go and what they're going to do. Uh, so whether or not testing will have a negative impact on the home school and homeschool curriculum, will Common Core have an impact on the uh, homeschool curriculum? Will, will there be mandates and requirements? That will differ from state to state. So it would be uh, to your benefit 
if you could uh, make some phone calls, do some inquiry, a uh, good person to call is your local state delegate or senator that represents you in the state legislature and start getting some answers. You can call the Department of Education. I've called the Department of Education here in West Virginia uh, several times, and I always get a very polite and friendly response, and I get answers to my questions, and you'll probably get the same thing. Um, but you've got to make that phone call and find out how state law, since, since the state, if your state accepted Common Core standards, how that translates to the public schools and how that translates to home schools, both in terms of curriculum and in terms of testing. So that is something you definitely want to do. Um, anything else about Common Core? I answer any questions that you have uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, but in a nutshell, that's basically how I see the whole thing. Okay, Woody. So, um, you know, there are some questions uh, that were raised after I watched the movie, um, the CommonCoreMovie.com, and I know you watched it as well. And one of the interesting things that I learned from this movie was that uh, two of the key players that were to have um, endorsed this, um, you know, these standards that were brought on um, to say that they were, you know, vigorous and that they were um, in keeping with uh, what was expected? Uh, one of the gentlemen who was um, his background was in, was in math, and the other one, um, her background, uh, Sandra Stosky, her background was in um, actually she was a K through 12 um, standards. Uh, she had some involvement in her state for that and overseed it, but her oversaw that. But her um, expertise was actually in um, you know the English department. So the person who is in charge of, you know, the English and language arts and the gentleman, Jim Milgram, who was in charge of mathematics that were the experts, neither of them could validate the standards as vigorous. Um, Jim Mil Milgram did say that they were better than the standards that were out there as far as, you know, what the states currently had, but he also qualified that with, um, he believed that it was a dumbing down of education um, in mathematics on the college level. And it was a little bit confusing because, you know, here he's saying, well, they're better, but I still couldn't validate them. And, um, however, he also prefaced it with, you know, that um, it was going to be a dumbing down of the college um you know, standards because there was a qualifier that they were supposed to sign off on, and that was that. Um, so first of all, let's let's talk about that that one aspect of it. That he was saying it was better than some of the standards that are out there. You said you looked at it and you were a history teacher for many years, and um, you know you've taught at the college level, and you know you're saying that they were they were very similar to what are the West Virginia standards are, but um, they're still they still could not validate that. Yeah, you know, well, the interesting thing is, I mean, tell you, I was just uh, my eyebrows went up when I heard that uh, Stotsky was the only English person on that committee, mm -hmm. and Milgram was the only math person on that committee. 
when I went to Charleston, West Virginia, to help write um, West Virginia content standards and objectives, there was a room full of people. There were 30 people, all teachers, all experienced teachers, in the social studies curriculum. Only one person for math, one person for English. That just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Milgram um, contradicted himself. First he says it's better than most of the states. Then he says it's dumbing down. Well, if, so if, if you've got all the states at, at let's say, 80% level, and common, score, co- common Core is dumbing down, then that's going down to 60 or 70%. How can they be better mm-hmm. if they're dumbing down? I also st- understand that they're dumbing down or simplifying, as they put it, uh, the SAT and ACT uh, tests. As a matter of fact, the lead writer for Common Core Standards, David Coleman, once the standards were written, he left and went and is now the president of college board. And he is leading the simplification, or as we put it, the dumbing down of SAT and ACT tests because they realize that that all students will be taking these tests. Right now in West Virginia, we're taking a No Child Left Behind test. We wrote it ourselves. I was on the committee that wrote for social studies again, and um, we basically call it the West test, I guess after West Virginia, the West test. And every year, students lose five days of class time to take this test, and it doesn't measure achievement at all. The last time I gave the test, I was substituting uh, for the lady who replaced me when I retired. And I had 23 students in that room. Three of the 20 were absolutely engaged in the questions and the answers and doing the very best they could. The other 20 were at different stages of, oh, geez, this is really boring. A lot You would see them just filling in circles and not even reading questions. There was a great deal of that, and they knew, first of all, testing under those conditions, locked in a room, high security, can't leave the classroom, uh, have to have a special escort if you need to go to the bathroom, and you're, you're just stuck there like, like all day long. And it's just a miserable experience for, for, a, for a young person. Well, it would be for an adult uh, for mm-hmm. that matter. So they basically can measure three students out of 23, and so what's the point in giving the test if it doesn't at all reflect student achievement? Now, West Test is going to be replaced in West Virginia next year by the Common Core Assessment, and it will be the same thing. It will not measure achievement. And they learned that if, you know, it would just be a disaster for the Common Core folks if 70% of students were below level in terms of achievement. And they realized that about 50% of, and you can't say that this is another thing, this is the one-size-fits-all mentality. Um, they are saying that 50% of students are going to college and 50% are going into the workforce. Well, the 50% that are going into workforce are not going to score, score as high as the 50% uh, going to college, and we cannot have 50% failing in terms of achievement, so you dumb down the test so that those going into the workforce that do not put, uh, you know, a lot of these kids are going to tech schools uh, and vocational schools, 
and they're not in the academic classrooms, so they're not going to score as well. So they done the whole thing down, uh, so that essentially anybody could pass it, uh, or most people can, and as a result, it is not in any way a true measure of student achievement. It tells us nothing. Right. So and another failure with Common Core. Right. And, you know, one of the things I know that I, I've spoken to um, some teachers, uh, I know quite a few in the area that have said that they spend so much time uh, teaching to the test that it's very, very frustrating to them because um, they just don't have enough time to cover what they need to cover, <laughs> and a lot of time is, is taken with that. But, you know, Woody, um, it was interesting to me that uh, a couple of political things came into play, and I want to discuss these as well. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then I want to discuss the federal government's uh, incentive with their race to the top uh, that was part of the stimulus package when we get back. Okay. So, all right. The American Government and Elections class is a remarkable look at the workings of the U.S. government, the election process, and how the Constitution sets the stage for the democracy that we enjoy today. This video series contains 32 hours of class recorded with a live audience taught by accredited AP and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson. This class is sure to energize your students with a love of learning. The classes are on demand on your time to view from the comfort of your own home. Created specifically for the high school level homeschooler, this AP level class can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Recorded and produced by Media Angels, a name you trust for quality products. Need more information? No problem. Go to MediaAngels.com and visit our class link. Or go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and get ready to claim your seat. Hurry, because class is starting. Hi, and welcome back. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am the moderator of Current Issues in the Constitution with Professor Wilson, and, um, you know, Woody, before we went to break, um, I wanted to discuss, you know, kind of a, a little bit of the legalities. It's almost like, um, you know, I'm looking at this and, okay, let's not, you know, get, I mean, I'm not a, a conspiracy theorist. I don't look around the corner and think that, um, you know, my federal government in the U.S. of A., the land of the free, um, is conspiring to do anything, but it really is very suspicious to me when I look at, you know, basically these these Common Core standards were funded, um, you know, by this $3.45 billion that was part of the stimulus package at a time when the states didn't have any money, and uh, basically it was incentive to the state uh, governors to look at this and say, um you know, yes, we want in. Uh, according to President Obama, the states were given a chance to give them their best ideas um, in the form of a grant that they were they were told to write within two to three months. Um, I've been part of grant writing, and um, on on a good day, it takes us a lot more <laughs> time than that. I mean, it's a huge process, but they had to churn out a grant with their best ideas in a couple of months. 
get it back to the president, and I don't think any of them were turned down. Uh, one of the clips said that 46 states had signed on, um, and then I heard again that 45 um, had signed on, so I'm not really sure. I know uh, my state has um, signed on to some of it, and they want to be able to select their own books and some other things. But um, let's talk about that, you know, the federal government's role in giving this incentive uh, to the states in order to make it look like, yes, everybody was on board um, with, these, with this initiative, this race to the top. <clears throat> yeah, governments expand power. That's what they do. And there is, you know, one of the things that um, I am very curious about and I cannot find it, is this common core thing, where did this begin? Whose idea was this? Where did it come from? I suspect that I, we will find out it comes from the United States Department of Education. But, and, and it was a, this was also addressed in the, docu, the documentary right. uh, that we're talking about, was that um, it was really a federal idea, but the federal government knew and understood that the people would not accept a national curriculum dictated by the federal government. They wouldn't accept it. But two governors, whose name I do not remember, both Democrats, um, and the Fordham Institute, uh, which has been a very strong supporter and gets a lot of money from the federal government in the way of grants, uh, it is belie believed that that's where the action on Common Core really began. The idea and the impetus uh, for it and the motivation for it, I have no doubt, came from the the federal government all along. And this is what we have seen um, from all governments, Republican and Democrat alike. It doesn't matter. I, I think the Democrats grow the government a little faster than the Republicans do. But both of them have, are complicit in expanding government power, and that includes the Department of Education. And you know as well as I do that it was Republican president George W. Bush, who, with a big smile on his face, signed that No Child Left Behind legislation. So I have no doubt that Common Core had its idea beginning in the offices of those federal bureaucrats, and I have no doubt that they were in constant communication with the people, the National Governors Association, the uh, Curriculum Review Committee, the Fordham Institute, many others, I have no doubt that they were in constant communication one with another. So it's no surprise to learn that the federal government is is using the carrot, $3.5 billion, which will be distributed to states that comply with federal government desires, including common core standards. So states sign on and they get the money, and then counties and districts are required to implement the Common Core standards by the state. So it's from uh, the Common Core people to the federal government, to the state government, to the district, to the teacher. And uh, it, you're exactly right. It's all about money and power, uh, those two things. And again, what a tremendous waste of resources. It simply is not going to make any difference. It's not going to save our schools. Our schools began its decline at about the same time 
when in 1965 the federal government, Congress, and, and Lyndon Johnson signed it, part of his Great Society program, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. And their intrusion has grown steadily during the Carter administration. They create the Department of Education as a seat in the president's cabinet and have expanded. I've watched them every year. Uh, they went from some, their initial beginning of about, uh, it was, if I remember correctly, it was $640 million. It's now 100, more than $100 million uh, to fund the Department of Education and all the programs that they have put out there. So it is my belief, and it will not surprise me at all, when word is that the Common Core Standards are written, they are adopted in 45 states or 46, and now it will be up to the federal government to oversee the further and future implementation of Common Core program and all of the requirements that will follow. I have no doubt the federal government will co-opt this program, and this was in the works from the very beginning. That's how politics works. That's how power works in America, the same as China. Uh, it is no different. But one mm -hmm. thing that you mentioned that I would like to get across right now, uh, this common core, you accept common core, you accept standards, and that's it. Content is up to the state. The content is up to the homeschool uh, mom or dad. Uh, so far, uh, there is no content requirement. Some states have content requirements. West Virginia does not. I know California does. They have reading lists, for example, for reading language arts, uh, common core standard imp implementation. We don't have that in West Virginia. As far as I know, West, uh, that applies to homeschools as well. So the content is still up to the teachers, still, still up to the, to the schools, uh, to the districts. Uh, in West Virginia, the districts choose curriculum, and um, teachers usually get together and, and go through materials that are offered and decide uh, what they want. And uh, that is true of homeschoolers, too. I hope that is true in your state. At least you still have that freedom. But, again, what's coming next? Okay? Right. What, what will be the next requirement? Will it be content? It's, you know, and if it is content, is it going to be ideologically biased to a liberal, socialist, communist, progressive uh, agenda? And so, you know, once they get power, they grow it. And if the government co-ops Common Core, that's more power, and they will grow it. Right. So okay. we got to. I, the best thing to do, Felice, in my opinion, is, is to stop this thing. And its right. efforts are being made in most states. Right here in Wood County, West Virginia, we are fighting Common Core. And there are other people in the state that are doing so also. Maybe we'll get it repealed for West Virginia. Maybe right. you can do that in your states or be part of that. Yeah, it's definitely opening some eyes. And, and again, um, you know, from that Common Core movie, it was interesting to hear so one of the uh, players, and that was Sandra Stosky, who said that the standards say they are research-based, internationally benchmarked, and have um, the Board of Education members either elected or appointed that are well-intentioned, educated people who believe they are vigorous standards. She said the problem is they don't know how to read standards. They have no research to back this. 
and they have no idea of whether or not it will work. Now I'm adding the last part of it, but she said, you know, they don't even know how to read standards, those who were on this committee. And this from a lady who worked, you know, pretty much with her life's work and the same with Jim uh, Milgram, uh, who had the PhD in mathematics that was at, um, I believe it was Stanford for 45 Stanford. years. Right. Yeah. 45 years, here's this gentleman who um, made his life work, higher education, Ph.D., and he could not, uh, the only mathematics expert there could not um, give this his endorsement. And he said, you know, that out of 30, five of them failed to do this. And he said, you know, a lot of times you will have a document out there that says, you know, these five did not and for these reasons. He said pretty much they were expunged from the record, and it right. looked looked like there was a hundred percent endorsement of this, and those five people were not even um you know I'd be interested to hear from the other three, but they were not you know pretty much nowhere to be found on um on that website that endorsed it, yeah, they were essentially blacklisted right mhm right uh, just like just like scientists even uh Top scientists like uh, Richard Lenson are blacklisted if they disagree with global warming. So it's the same thing. They brook no opposition. It's they they function like a totalitarian government. Uh, just all power, total power. Uh, they can brook no interference, no disagreement of any kind. And wow, you just don't do that in a democratic society. But it's right. they're doing it. It's happening. Yeah, and, and um, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to add: it's interesting that Bill Gates' name popped up because you know he's no friend to conservative Christians, that's for sure. But um, you know, be that as it may, um, interestingly, the recipients of Gates funding included the U.S. Department of Education, the National Governors Association, the Council of Chiefs, State School Officers. Fordham Institute, the Foundation for Excellence in Education, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, I, I think his money is pretty much, uh, you know, uh, out there. Um, any comments on that? Well, he distributed $200 million. Um, none of these uh, institutions that you just mentioned, the list, uh, are going to turn down a 20 or $25 million offer. Mm -hmm. uh, you do, you divide how many are there six seven institutions you mentioned right okay um, divide that into two hundred million four, that's a pretty five, good yes, chunk six. of pie yeah yeah so again it's about money and power and I expect a lot of those people who signed on to and supported Common Core probably hadn't even read them and might and even if they had uh, like Stotsky said. They have no experience in reading, analyzing, and understanding education standards. So it's basically a, a farce when you get so, right down to it. So the bottom line in a nutshell, which I, that's how I like to, to see things clearly, and I do have a couple of questions here for you, but in a nutshell, these standards are not um, internationally benchmarked. They are not um, rigorous, but more upsetting um, is the fact that there is claim out there that they are. And so now, um, as we become more and more educated uh, to what what is really uh, the facts, um, 
We just need to keep our eyes opened. Absolutely. And uh, resist it at all costs. And while you're at it, resist all state and federal interference in your community, your town or your city, no matter what. And if you look behind it, uh, you'll frequently find the looming specter of Agenda 21. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep your keep keep your county, keep your town, keep your city free. Keep it democratic. Keep it in the hands of people. Keep it under local control. Keep the popular sovereignty that the Constitution gave you and just fight. I'm I'm retired and I've probably got 10 or 15 years left on this planet and I'm going to fight the good fight until I am no more. And I hope you will too. It's got to become a part of your life. You've got to be an active citizen. You've got to be an active parent. You've got to be an active citizen. You know, if people like you would fight to keep local control of your public schools, your public schools will excel. There are districts in the United States, school districts, counties, basically, where schools are on the rise because they have taken matters into their own hands. And they've done the kinds of things that we're trying to do here in Wood County. So while the nation itself overall, you look at the general statistics, the schools are in decline, graduation rates, dropout rates, uh, assessment, which is no measure anyway. There are districts like Harrison County, West Virginia, Leander, Texas. Uh, these are just you know uh, beautiful examples of what schools can do when they're under local control. You know, when schools first began in America back in the 1820s, Industrial Revolution was going on. The need was seen. Uh, parents, workers began to demand education for their children. They got it. Begins in Massachusetts, spreads throughout the United States. By 1860, 40 years later, 99% of the people of the American people, adults, could read and write. 99% literacy rate. Today, that's around 82 or 83%. It has declined that much. Well, in those days, before the Civil War, education was completely, 100% local control. There was no federal bureaucracy. States, some of the states would uh, create an office that would help to fund public schools, but they had no control. The teachers, the books, the facilities were in the hands of the people. And they were excellent schools. And, uh, you know, while, while this mentality was going on for the next several decades, the United States became a great nation. And uh, now, we're, now our schools are in decline, and you hear people saying America, the once great nation. Mm. So right. fight to keep local control in your hands. That's what democracy is about. That's what freedom is about. Freedom is freedom in all respects, including control of schools is what made America a great nation and you've got to keep that you cannot let bureaucrats in some distant place order you about with regards to schools or anything else you've got to fight the good fight and I I think you know especially um, as homeschoolers we are very very concerned with this and um, you know applaud HSLDA for putting this uh, movie out which was very well done Um, Okay, some questions here. Um, 
Jill or Jim Milgram, who was the PhD mathematics expert <clears throat> that was on um, the board. This is who they were talking about because it said she couldn't. In the question, it says um, it could. She couldn't remember the person's name. So, said um, he said that colleges cannot remediate in mathematics um, for anybody K through 12 that is coming through with Common Core. This was confusing to me. Um, I do remember that part in the video that talked about that. Woody, do you? Yes. Um, the, okay. the problem is I, I talked to a math teacher here in the county recently, and he is really trying to implement Common Core standards, although I might say I've talked to plenty of teachers, and most of them are not. They are totally ignoring Common Core standards and doing their thing according to West Virginia CSOs. But this guy was really genuinely trying, and he was frustrated, he said, sometimes to the point of tears. He, he is a math teacher. He has a master's degree in math from West Virginia University, and he does not understand common core mathematics. Milgram's point was that colleges and universities are going to continue to teach math as we know it. Common core is changing it. And when these kids take college entrance exams and they don't pass in mathematics, they're going to have to take remediation classes. The problem is colleges and universities don't have remediation classes for common core math. They have remediation for math as we know it, you know, algebra, trigonometry, calculus, and those kinds of things. And it's a stunning thing, and you know, while we're at it, a stunning statistic for the decline of the public schools is that 40% of all college freshmen have to be remediated in math. 60% of college freshmen are remediated in math and other subjects. That is failure. That is the failure of the common schools. Or the, excuse me, the public schools. So I think that was the point he was trying to make. There's a disconnect between um, public school K-12 through and college and university curriculums. So, you know, where's the remediation going to come from? Right. Okay, and someone else asked, uh, what bothers me is there is now one test that is going to be too difficult for the vocational kids and too easy for those who are going to a vigorous college. What does that mean as far as education goes? Just That is an excellent question, and I think you probably are, have already answered your own question. We've said it before. It's called dumbing down. It's, it's going to take uh, student achievement to a lower level. Testing, you know, someday, folks, there is not going to be any testing. There's just not going to be there. It's not, you know, multiple choice tests, multiple choice questions. It's going to be practical application. You, you can either do a thing or you can't. Tests do not work. And everybody knows, outside of the educational bureaucracies, Everybody knows and understands that testing does not measure student achievement. It just doesn't. If every kid was exactly the same and if every kid was highly motivated, and again, if every kid was exactly the same, then student, achieve, then student achievement tests might work. But every kid is different, different backgrounds, different aptitudes, different uh, of the multiple intelligences, different talents, different interests, 
Some students do a very good job of answering multiple choice questions and some students don't. Why not? Because of brain chemicals, because of aptitude that results from brain chemicals, because of disinterest um, and, and those kinds of things. So these tests, and like I said, last time I gave West test, it was three out of 20 that were really making an effort. The other 20 saw that to them the test had no value. So they did not put energy into it. So in terms of dumbing down the test to accommodate at least a majority of the workforce-oriented seniors in high school is dumbing down of the whole system. Right. And we've had that since uh, 1965, since the federal government got involved. So we're right. taking it to even lower levels. And, you know, you think, and, and again, you look behind it, and you see the awful specter standing back there with a fiery sword and a shield on which is written Agenda 21. I think there are a lot of people in the world, I think there are a lot of people in the United Nations that would love to see the United States collapse because we're standing in the way of world government, the American people, not the American government. They're on board with Agenda 21. The American people are standing in the way of one world government because we will not give up our sovereignty and our constitutional rights to a world body. So in, it's in their best interest in, in establishing Agenda 21 and the government that they perceive, it's in their best interest if America collapses, if America continues to decline, if America fails. Right. For some and reason, folks, so we've got uh, we've got a seven-year recession, six-year recession going on right now. And like I've said before, it's the worst in our history with the exception of the Great Depression. And this government that we have is making no effort to correct it by stimulating economic growth. It's as if they don't want a return to prosperity, business expansion, jobs. So put it all together, you have trouble sleeping at night. At yeah. least I do. A couple of things, a couple of thoughts as you were as you were talking, Woody, and um you know, first of all, if you're interested in Agenda 21, the last four shows on current issues in the Constitution, and if you're listening on iTunes or uh, remotely, it's currentissuesandtheconstitution.com, all spelled out. Um, and you can find uh, those shows. They're labeled um, as Agenda 21, Part 1, 2, 3, and 4, so you can get a good um, background on that. And, you know, it will be ongoing. I'm sure we'll be mentioning it in, in uh upcoming shows and we welcome you live or you can um, email me police at mediaangels.com and just write current issues in the in the um, main heading so I'll know what it's in response to and then you can always just send me your questions for the show. Uh, secondly, one of the things, you know, we don't talk about often, um, Woody, and that is um, some of your innovative teaching techniques. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, or many of you do, um, that, you know, Professor Wilson happens to be my brother-in-law. He is married to my husband's sister, which is how we're related. And um, people ask me, Woody, if you're my brother. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> well, no, I brother. brother. Yes, you are. Yes, In you law. are. 
Yes. Um, and and uh, Woody is amazing. Uh, you can hear it in the intro. You know, I, I, I wrote that, um, and it probably makes him blush every time he hears it. But let me just tell you one of the things that, that he did in the classroom. And when I heard what he was doing, I was really very impressed. And one of the things that Woody got permission um, from his principal to do a pass-fail class. And he was really able to engage his students um, in this public school um, setting um, in West Virginia um, to be engaged to want to learn about American history, uh, history about government, about politics. And the way he did this is with um, these PowerPoint slides that had pictures, very few words, and he would show these pictures and narrate this. So you would see the picture and hear his voice. And that is uh, what we talk about when we talk about our American history and American government classes that we have on video. And I have to tell you, um, I, and I've told Woody this, you know, that the, my kids are walking, talking, uh, you know, amendments of the Constitution, whereas I, you know, watch these with them, and I'm not as good at, at it as they are. But um, they will hear something in the news, and they will argue over what amendment that is in the Constitution, and then they go, they um, actually have it um, on their phone, and um, you know, they're they're too lazy to to just look it up on paper, although they do have it printed <laughs> out as well. But, um, yeah. you know, so that they they will look at that. And, I mean, what other class, um, you know, can you, can you say that your kids are so engaged and the fact that they have this really good understanding makes me so happy because I am ensuring that my kids at least, you know, um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, which is a scripture. But at least my kids, Woody, um, because of your instruction, will know that, um, you know, when the federal government is doing something that is infringing upon their, their rights and that is laid out by the founders in the Constitution. So, um, you know, at some point maybe we can even talk about that method that you used. You know, it probably could be one whole um show that wouldn't even necessarily be for current issues, but, you know, you use a specific methodology um, for that using randomized pictures and so forth um, and discussing it, and it, um, I don't know, can you touch on that briefly in a little bit of time we have left? Um, very briefly. You know, it's a pretty sure. comprehensive program that, that I developed over the years, but... Um, uh, what you're referring to is, is I discovered um, I bought I got books uh, seminars I went to that some of them were just full of research about student learning and I studied those books and I discovered much to my surprise nobody ever told me this in teacher school uh, that that by attaching an item of learning to an image increases retention and recall by 26 percent. And um, so, wow, I mean, that's, that is huge. So by using graphics, uh, paintings, photographs, graphs, charts, symbols, um, and connect that to a discussion, um, you certainly increase retention and recall. And in my case, with my students, I measured it statistically. Um, every time, every year, I mean, 
we we would uh, do this once a week, and uh, we would measure uh, class achievement and individual achievement um, in in terms of this is my idea of an achievement test in terms of their ability to recall and understand information. And by the end of the year, I had whole classes up in a 92 to 95 percentile range in terms of correct answers uh, to questions about American history. And um, so the students were truly engaged with that. And what I did was, you know, when I taught at uh, Felice for, for homeschool, I basically narrated. They were lec PowerPoint lectures. But with mm -hmm. my students in, in real classes, students in front of me, I didn't lecture at all. I said I would put up a graphic and I'd say, okay, what, what do we have here? Tell me what this is. Tell me what time period this is. What's the point? If it's a political cartoon, tell me what the cartoonist's point of view is. And I would just stand there and wait and listen to them do that. They would just take it apart piece by piece, and then I would get into uh, some facts about the event. Maybe it was the League of Nations. Maybe it was the beginning of World War One. And um, their minds are ready. Their minds are wide opening. Open. The synapses are lined up. The chemicals are at at uh, high tilt, and their minds become sponges as they are participating in their own education. And there were times uh, when we were doing this. I'd have a class of 20 students, and there would be 11 hands in the air waiting to ask a question. Uh, they were just totally engaged in learning like homeschool students are. And th that's, that's the secret of homeschool. It's not just parental involvement. It's the students' engagement in their own learning, in their own future. They're creating their own future, and they know that. And my, the, some of the principles that I went by, and I, we'll have more time uh, later if you want to, was number one, all students can learn. Number two, all students want to learn. Number three, all students want to be challenged. And number four, all students want to participate in their own learning process. And number five, students can and will learn at high levels if given the chance. So I just base my teaching on those points. Got them involved. They, it's our class. It's uh, it's not my class. It's ours. We're going to do this together. And Boy, you just take the chains off them, you know, and you eliminate the boredom. I remember right. one time an English teacher came storming down the hallway, and hands on her hips, she stood in front of me and said, I just want to know how so-and-so made an A in your class when he made Ds and Fs in everybody else's class. And I explained it to her. And she huffed away. And, and later on, she began to modify her own teaching practice. Uh, because it works, and your students become your ambassadors throughout okay. a school system. Of course, you know, I'm talking about something alien to you, Felice. Well, no, you were there for two years. Yeah, I was there, but I was talking laughing when you said yeah, when, when you said English, because I, your wife, my sister-in-law, <laughs> is also... It wasn't her. No, I know it wasn't her. <laughs> yeah, In fact, she, teach, she and I taught pretty much the same way. Right, right. teaching that way. But, you know, and that's the thing that, you know, really um, is a blessing to me because, you know, that, that you looked at the kids and said they're not learning this way. And when I was in the system myself, um, I ended up in trouble my first year because uh, I brought in, without asking permission, a refrigerator box that the kids then 
uh, turned into a voting booth because we were talking about elections. So I decided to have a class election, and um, it was elementary, um, fourth, fourth grade, I believe. And um, very bright students. In fact, I had four children that were labeled gifted, and they would ask me questions that I couldn't answer, and I would give them a pass and say, that is such a great question. Go to the library and research it and come back. That was before Internet, and they did. And so, because I knew whatever else we were going to discuss, there was already something they knew. And it was yeah. it was just a really great class. And so we had already um, held the elections. Uh, we were done. Class had been dismissed. And I had asked uh, two of the boys to help carry this box out that I would put in my car just to bring it outdoors. And, um, you know, didn't think, um, gosh, the halls are going to be crowded and it's probably not a good thing to do right now. So, you know, the two boys brought it out, fourth graders, you can imagine, Woody, probably bumped <laughs> a few other kids in the way. Yeah, I was a new student teacher. What was I thinking? But I yeah. got in so much trouble over that. And I had my hands on my hips and said to this principal, um, which you can imagine didn't go over well, well, don't you even care about how engaged the, the students were and how excited they were? And I said, you know, so I should have broken down the box and done it differently, and I will next time. But, you know, and he just kind of looked at me like, you know, I had two heads. I still graduated, you know, with honors, which was only by the grace of God, because I'm sure this principal wouldn't have been super happy with me. But I did let my directing teacher know at my college what was happening, and and uh, she thought the whole thing was hysterical. In fact, she was laughing hysterically because she was envisioning <laughs> what was happening there. But, you know, it's just you know, things like that. You know, teachers that are creative are going to look at the kids and say, how can we make this work? And the fact that the federal government um, – you know, with an, a very unpopular thing, and the federal government has known that, you know, that it is an impo a very unpopular stance for governors to back any kind of national um, education, and so they did it, um, you know, themselves without, uh, you know, kind of subversively, but not really, with incentives and money and so forth, took that out of our control, and I think that is what has parents um, up in arms as well as you um, mentioned, you know, there are some things going around the Internet about, you know, the old way to do math and the new way to do math and how many kids are frustrated. And um, let me just say that there are some amazing uh, private groups on Facebook right now that are made up of thousands and thousands. I think one of the groups I belong to has 17,000-plus members. Uh, that is, it is educators and um, parents against Common Core. So we have some teachers, we have um, many homeschool parents, many um, public school parents, private school parents who are engaging and keeping themselves informed about what is going on. And um, if nothing else, um, this is going to be a good thing, Woody, I believe, in that it is getting um, us charged up because I think we've been a sleeping nation for too long. And um, hopefully this is going to help um, polarize uh, these things. Uh, well, it is tremendously important. It really mm -hmm. is. Okay. Well, we are completely out of time, in fact, over time. But uh, I want to thank you again, and I look forward to next week's session. Quite so. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. 
If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com. And for more information about Professor Wilson's classes, visit AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com. See you next week.